to My Technology Meets Education podcast. Today, I am reviewing a podcast called the E-Learning Coach Podcast from episode number 48, The Strategic Use of Learning Management Systems. The podcast can be found on the web at theelearningcoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 48. This podcast is hosted by Connie Malamed, and she started this podcast in 2013. This is a great listener if you're into the cutting edge of e-learning and instructional design. Malamed covers some of the hottest, freshest topics in the space such as designing learning games, tin can APIs, and creating infographics. She also interviews a ton of interesting people such as the author Wired for Story. The Writer's Guide to Using Brain Science to Hook Readers from the Very First Sentence, a learning executive for BBC, is one of the original innovators behind the Tin Can API. Everyone in the e-learning space from course designers to to instructionals can get something out of this series. In this podcast, the topic is all about learning management systems, LMSs. Her guest on this subject is John Lay. John is a CEO and lead analyst at Talented Tert Learning, a learning management research and consulting firm that he created to help organizations choose and use LMS solutions. His company has reviewed scores of learning management systems, and he shares his insights into this conversation. Connie begins this interview by asking John, What is an LMS and why do companies need one? Well, to my surprise, John says that there are over 700 LMS systems. Companies use LMS to track employees, training requirements, host the training courses, and to keep record of the employee's progress and completion status of their mandatory training for their particular job functions. Wow, over 700. I was thinking maybe there were like 10 because those are the ones that I have been exposed to in the government and in the educational field. Why is knowing that there are over 700 LMSs important? Because it makes a measurable difference in people's businesses when you apply learning management to use just because of a goal of having an LMS, which we have been using for the past 20 years. Connie's question is my exact response. Why are there so many, and how are you categorizing them? John said that at first he really struggled with that, which way was the best way to group these, and what made more sense. And what he has found to work the best is by using case of the target audience. So, for example, if you're making a learning management system that is targeted for organizations to train their prospects and their customers, it is a different use case and different functionality and different requirement integrations from professional service teams that are using it to implement and just to provide training. Different types of learning content that need to go online there. All these things are specialized towards a customer's prospect or any of those type of groupings. And also, what we found is that the target audience application is the best indicator of what type of LMS. And really, that carries a whole bunch of specialized requirements. So buyers nowadays don't need to go to a generalist and try to push a rock appeal by getting them to understand their unique business scenarios. He suggests that if you're looking for an LMS, 
then go to a specialist, and that specialist helps share the best practices and then becomes a business partner with your company, which helps you make the learning management a more competitive differentiator. Connie's next question was, what kind of criteria do you use and what are you looking at? John's answer was that in an LMS, what you need and what is missing is all directly dependent on the case that you're using to try to solve with an LMS. John states that while he wanted, all he really wanted to do was to figure out what each one of these learning management systems did specifically. His process was to go to executive breedings, briefings so that he would be able to understand how that company started their business, their history, how they were founded, their mission, and what was their business objective, what are their target clients, and what makes them so unique and different from their competitors. He was looking for the use case, the functionality they have, their technical integrations, technical deployment options, how much they charge for licenses, their cost structure, the type of services they offer, all these things they were collecting in their database. Then he stated the real reason why they do that. It's their day job. They help companies figure out what they need from a learning technology standpoint. Then they match them with the specialist that makes the most sense from the ones that they have reviewed. Connie asked if he thinks that LMSs are changing. John's answer was unique. He said that what is important to one sector isn't really important to another, and that the rate of innovation is so much faster than ever before. And his, in his opinion, it's just because there are so many different groups moving in different directions as to what a learning management system can provide, such as the integration of social, collaboration, and building of communities and groups that is causing for all this type of purposes and not just from an educational employee but for customers and prospects and helping channel partners who are helping their clients to sell their products. Also because more training is now video based LMS users are now able to get any learning anytime and they need it versus trying to take a course and hope that you might need it down the road. The advancement on performance aspects on mobile devices has finally caught up to make this a more realistic option. John also stated that finally the integration of gaming elements inside the content as well as performance level gamifications to tie it all together are the trends that we see happening in all the sectors but that not all the applications as to how it's been developed in all sectors is happening at the same time. Connie asked if all these different types of classifications explain why there are so many different LMSs in his opinion. John gives a perfect reason as to why there are so many variations of LMSs as most companies are not buying the generalist LMS. The specialist, the specialist LMSs are winning the sales because they are getting the best practices as part of the deal versus being ones that need to be tweaked for their purpose. So it's the LMSs for a specific niche that is actually doing better now. It's not just a matter of checking the box and saying, my employees have taken their HIPAA compliance or their sexual harassment course for this particular year, but rather learning and tracking and measuring of learning is a strategic tool for us to all do better in the marketplace. 
These organizations that are using learning as a strategic tool, they are using it to increase revenue, to increase sales, to increase customer satisfaction, all things that, are go to, uh, that get a whole lot easier to measure than employees' development. John also mentioned a specific role that is being, that is being uh, addressed, the concept of backpacks, public places, or public lockers. They all go by different names, but it is where the learners can consolidate all of their professional credentials, such as training that they have done from lynda.com or any other paid source or free source into a centralized location. So independent backpacks like Creedy are a good example of where professionals can store those credentials and take ownership of their lifelong learning and then use that for a personal gain standpoint as a competitive advantage to get a promotion or a job over time. John also covers a big buzzword in LMSs, XAPI data. So what John has found that are that in his clients, there's a lot of them wanting XAPI content and want XAPI as a requirement. However, his follow-up question is, great, why? And what's the use case behind it? And then he has met with a lot of blank stares and they don't know. They do not know why it is important for them. They know it's coming. They know they need it. They just don't know what to do with that, that technology. They have no idea how they're going to use it. So what he says is XAPI is happening in a major way, just not in the circles that he tends to be running into. So what are the values of XAPI? One of the biggest is the ability to capture all of those little unique things that are not necessarily learning, such as CRMs from companies such as Salesforce with over 150,000 clients. In 2018, a trend that he started seeing was that instead of using XAPI, LMSs are being asked to integrate with CRMs. And by integrating, they can pass any data that they have from registration to completion to progress to interaction with the content. And by passing all that data to the CRM, the CRM can then combine that with other business data so that you get actual business results and data analytics. As John states, data is really the big di differentiator for organizations. The ability for companies to be able to analyze and use that data strategically, whether that's about employees learning or sales or any other part of the business. XAPI provides that data and provides it in a way that can be measurable and in a language that executives care about trying to figure out an actual business metrics. Nowadays, you always need to make a business case for something that has an associated cost with it. With it. And what John sees in today's market is that there has been a lot of internalization and authoring in the learning platforms. So as these specialist platforms are evolving, intra-LMS authoring is common. What does that mean? Well, it means the ability to create courses that have pages that are always in interaction and are using templates, the ability to provide previews. All of these are now a must for every LMS. And one of the biggest concerns is what happens if you change your LMS platform? What do you do with all that content that you have authored in previous systems? 
That is a risk organizations need to worry about. And as I have discovered, yes, having an LMS platform that does not produce content to standards such as MP4 or SCORM compliancy does create problems when trying to move from one platform to another vendor. So maybe go ahead and use third-party authoring tools to create that content so that portability is available in the future. And now the big elephant in the room question. Is there, is there such a thing as a free LMS? Well, according to John, you can certainly get the code for free, but all things have a cost. And so whether you're trying to pay that cost to a vendor or to your web hosting provider or to a third party, the maintenance in trying to piece those different requirements all together and do all the upgrades also has a cost. John finds that most serious organizations are going to a third party that provides strategic services and implementation and hosting service to try to ease this problem up and that has advantages because you can get very customized systems like that for less but it's never never free. John, when someone is looking to purchase an LMS what are some of the top requirements they should be thinking about? Well first Take a good hard look at what your organization is going to use at LMS and what are you trying to impact in your organization. This is where it all starts. Do not start with the spreadsheet of here are a thousand and one things that we absolutely must have. This is a terrible way to go about it. Start off with use case and what you want these learners to do at every step along the way. How are they going to get into that application? What do you want them to get into? What are they having to do? What type of content? When? How often? All these are critical requirements and amazingly instead of having a thousand and one questions when you water it down it tends to be less than 100. Connie's last question is how can an organization measure the success of their LMS implementation and its usage? John says that measuring success comes down to are employees achieving certification? Are they calling support list? Are you getting more sales and retaining customers? That whole science of measuring and providing the competitive differentiation of the business impact that learning technology is making is why there are so many learning management systems and why learning technology in general has moved to a profit center. So, to wrap up this podcast, I must ask, what have I, and hopefully, what have you learned from this segment? One, that LMSs are no longer just somewhere that knowledge bases or FAQs get dumped to. And second, that this field is wide open. The LMS curriculum explosion has just begun, and the technology behind the multimedia is exploding and is creating new job skills that are in demand. And the third lesson that is covered in our, in our textbook by Riser and Dempsey in 2018 on what defines leadership. Leaders deal with achieving goals and objectives. Leaders function more as an innovator, visionary, trust builder, and an influencer of people. Effective leaders motivate their team by bringing out the best in individuals and integrating the team energy, talents, and their ability to foster success. 
the vision of a leader in what an LMS can bring to accomplish the company goals and their growth strategy is a direct result to its leadership. Leadership must cultivate an understanding of how companies innovate, drive developmental goals at the individual level, and that leadership must foster a formal learning process. A comprehensive need analysis, a cost-effective, user-friendly learning management system, which can provide high-quality, just-in-time learning interventions in a choice of learning platforms that function throughout the organization and provide a true ROI on the organization. Well, that does it for today's podcast, and tune in next week when we continue our discussion in Technology Meets Education.